0: Welcome to This Week in Witchcraft. The elements have been conquered with intense heat, and witchcraft has become more cosmopolitan. Can you spot it out in the wild? I'm Dylan Hamilton, and with me are... Michael Durham,
1: David Casson, And
0: Andrew Hudson.
2: Welcome to a special episode, This Week in Witchcraft. Can you spot it out in the wild? Before we go into answering this question, we're going to explain our intro. The elements have been conquered with intense heat, and witchcraft has become more cosmopolitan. Christ, and his glory, and his holiness, being that intense heat, has gone out into the world, and light has come to places that have been thoroughly shrouded in darkness. No longer can witchcraft be viewed as something that is animistic, where we have witch doctors, witches and cauldrons, and black cats to call witchcraft. We now have a more crafty view, a word crafty view, which witchcrafty view, of how magic is presented in this world. And it's usually used through words and lies and deceit and deception. And before we get started into our witchcraft this week, we're going to have Michael give his definition of witchcraft. So witchcraft is a demonic appropriation
3: of alternate authority, trying to grab hold of authority other than God's authority to declare what is true, what is good, what is beautiful. It has to be a demonic appropriation of alternate authority because if we're not relying on God's word and God's truth to make sense of the world that he has made, we're grabbing our standard from the father of lies. This is why witchcraft is a demonic appropriation of alternate authority Perhaps it's best just to say it this way trying to change things in the world around you simply by using words, where people are casting spells today in our culture, looking at that which is evil and calling it good, looking at things that are good and calling it evil, or simply stating their preferred pronouns. So we see it in the wild, as Dylan cleverly puts this we see it around us we need to identify the witchcraft going on in the world around us call it what it is so that we may repent and follow christ and
0: i think andrew you've got a good example for us this week i sure do in fact i have something about practical magic and by that we're talking about putting magic into practice uh recently in washington dc i say recently in approximately mid-January, an artist had put up some paper boards with Soviet-style propaganda images, one of which, just to illustrate it, is uh, a picture of the United States President Joe Biden with a hammer labeled OSHA and surrounding it with comply. Well, that's, that's, that's a dangerous bit of propaganda to dispel the lies. However, about 11 minutes after they were put up on a building, a local resident came by and tore them down. And when she was asked why why are you taking down this art? Is it is it not approved art? She said it was a public health concern. For public health. So she has taken the viewpoint or the word of public health, turned it into well, this is concerning, so therefore I'm going to protect and do my part through the use of this practice of tearing down something that would oppose public health. Um, That's kind of like the basis of occultic ideas of bringing your will into reality through the use of whatever device possible. And that's a good that's a good example because by calling it a health concern,
3: this affords her the moral currency. Imperative. Imperative. She must, to save others, she must tear down these pieces of art. So what is she up to? She's using a word health that really is overused in our in our day, but it's one of those uh, one of those words that has been enchanted with so many new nuances of of meaning that it no longer means health like you would find in a dictionary a generation or two ago. Now, the word has been enchanted. We still have the word, but it, there's all sorts of new meanings that have been brought into bear. She's not come up with a a, a new word, you know, tearing down tearing down other people's artistic expressions and protest. Okay. This this isn't totalitarianism. We're going to call it you know the the common good. We're going to come up with a new term. It's not it's not the invention of a new term. It's using, using a term that's already there that everybody can get behind. Oh, we all want to be healthy. We all we're all for health. How can you be against health? Exactly. But then redefining it enchanting it with something new. And that's definitely witchcraft out in the wild, it has left the realm of the thought and entered into action. Yeah. So you said practical, practical. You know, acting it, acting it out, as she's casting her spell, declaring this to be a health issue, tearing down, endangering her worldview.
2: She couldn't handle the disenchantment. A disenchanted
3: yeah. artist. Drew these things, right? But see what what just happened. So what he just what he put up, obviously using the Soviet style propaganda posters, is saying he, he's bringing that together with pictures of the president, you know, the, the the president of the United States and Lord Fauci. Yeah, and and Lord Fauci, Mister Science. And this is now. Now consider this: what what he's doing is satire, but with a point. I mean, it's it's demonstrating. Now he's not actually doing sorcery. He's not saying that Joe Biden and Fauci are Soviet agents. Right? He's not saying that. He's not saying that these are card-carrying Soviet agents. And and you know, he's not so he's not doing some sort of sorcery bringing two things together and mixing them together that, that don't actually belong together. But what he's doing—it's it's satire. It's—it's—it's it's, it's pointing to the fact that they're acting in ways that kind of hard to, to not. It's kind of hard to uh, see the difference between what they're doing and what was done in communist
0: Russia. And the American people have, I suppose, rightly been indoctrinated or shown the errors or how this artistic form was used to influence others for evil.
3: Right. When she sees it, she doesn't see satire. She sees a competing spell. Exactly. To, to her, it's a desecration. Right. So here is, here, is, here, is a, here is an anti-power move coming from a warlock. I must respond and cast my spell and undo what was done. She, she, can't, she can't see satire, right? You know, she's in a battle. You know that's part of the reason you know why humor is lost. <laughs> like, why can't certain people of a certain persuasion, why can't they they laugh? Where'd the, where'd the humor go?? Why, because everything is reduced to these unimaginative categories. Right? God still has a sense of humor. You know Paul had a sense of humor talking to the pagans in Acts 17 about you know, how religious they were. This is a this is a riot. The way that he starts talking about you know, sometimes Acts seventeen is used as a model of like this is the How way. To this yep. is the way to really engage in a way that doesn't rock in many boats. You know, this is this is high brow engagement for the Christians in our and our sophisticated. Paul is having fun. I see that you are a religious people, <laughs> and then the whole thing about the unknown god, and then he he turns it on its head. This is humorous. And it's even humorous when they can't figure out that when he talks about resurrection, he's not talking about another god. They think resurrection is the name of another god. This is how dense these people are. It's a funny story. Um, And of course, it has a point. But they don't have any humor in it. They're like, what's this seed picker doing? You know, talking about this, that, and the other. and They don't don't
2: get what's going on. This also brings up another interesting bit of um, witchcraft that goes on within many of these enchantresses' circles, what is art? To her, that is not art, right? It's, it's desecration. But most of what's been produced since about 1900 to now, we could chalk up as desecration and not art, and not of any sort of artistic use or any sort of artistic expression using gifts. And even even if most of the people that we've, we've seen from 1900 to now used their gifts or they had gifts, what, what was their thing? Their thing was to exalt themselves by not actually using those gifts properly. This is sophisticated
3: humor, what this guy did. Mm-hmm. This right? is sophisticated humor. And all she can think of is these posters are going to kill people because they won't follow the rules and... And do their rituals and and keep themselves holy, they'll become unclean if they believe these posters right so it's 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 attacking the holiness code that she can't live without and believes that others cannot live without and so the only thing she can do is just tear it down this is a this is a low brow response to highbrow humor, and I can't think help but think about what happened uh, and also in the book of Acts when the status quo was challenged and the best response that the people could come up with in Ephesus is to scream for two hours. Great is Diana, the goddess of Ephesus. You know, that's all they can do is just scream the same thing over and over and over and over again. It's like, how many times do you have to yell it? You know, but that's, that's their own, that's their response to the invasion of the truth is to, to yell the mantra over and over again. But business is booming.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> business is booming. I say business is booming in the sense that you know, in the same way that their idle manufacturing process was going to be torn down. Business right here with health being now the the chief end. If we if we reject such things as being materialistic, you know, well, I I can't get people to buy into it now.
3: Well, and remember that this this whole thing is being driven by the fear of death. And the Bible says the fear of death is slavery. And some people find a lot of security in slavery, and they do not want
2: to be set free. That requires responsibility. Taking ownership. Mm-hmm. And I think the Communist Party was against individuals taking responsibility too. So All right, we'll do the thinking for you. Mm-hmm. You just, yeah. Shut up and get back in the red line. That's a good thing. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Shot at Bernie. Well, since I think we've exhausted the witchcraft here, we can go on to some good media. And um, we're going to go to some recommendations of things we've been consuming or we have consumed before and we found very helpful or very edifying in our lives. Um, And we'll start with Michael. If he's got something, he's either recently enjoyed or in the past and uh, see if it can, it can help you and edify you as well. Uh,
3: so right now I'm rereading a book I, I read a long time ago and it's part of a discipleship group and uh, the book is called uh, According to Plan by Graham Goldsworthy and it is a I think probably college level or senior in high school level read through of a biblical theology how does the how does the whole story of the Bible fit together? And how are we to read the Bible in a way um that we're supposed to? In, in the way in, in the way that it's intended to be read, instead of reading it like critics or reading it like archaeologists or reading it like scientists, reading it as believers in Christ. And uh Graham Goldsworthy is a uh, uh he's he's very elderly now. I don't know if he's passed away yet or not. He's he used to teach at more theological college in sydney australia as anglican and has written several books on uh, biblical theology and seeing christ as the lens through which you are to read all of scripture and to see all of life and so he's been very helpful uh to me in that regard this is just one of his books but i would say it's a great introduction to everything else he's he's written so according to plan graham goldsworthy super dave
1: so, I finished a uh, book recently. and I think I mentioned it on a, a previous episode so some progressive covenantalism, um, and it had taken some of the classic dispensationalism to task. So, over the last couple of weeks, I have been rereading Rightly Dividing the Word of God by C.I. Schofield. If you do not have a copy, you can get a free one. There are not too many people that defend classic dispensationalism anymore it tends to be more of the more progressive or reformed or uh in lowercase r dispensationalism so that, that's the kind that you're going to encounter now but i have been i hate to use this 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 word but you know know your enemy but i have really enjoyed getting into his mind and and to why did he you know where did he start off from? And it's actually given me an understanding of some of my family members and some of the people that I have. When I hear some of the things that they say, I'm like, wait a second. That's not biblical. That's Schofield. I have been able to, uh, like my private devotions in the morning, I've been reading 1 Thessalonians. That is the quintessential, dispensational, here's the rapture. It's right there. It is right there. And, and that's when there's a first lesson in four. It's like, you know, it, it, first lesson in four, to even the. the the, the, the main point of all of Thessalonians, it's about encouragement and, and, and Paul w- wanting to give them, he was, he was afraid that their faith was going to be in jeopardy because he was suffering the very things he told them he was going to be suffering and says, and, but you guys love me so much and I love you and I, I just want to make sure you're encouraged and you know, don't worry, those who have died, they're going to rise first. And then we who are alive at his coming, we will be with the Lord and you know, he's encouraging them. But this is the this is the quintessential verse that says this is why there's a difference between the 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 church and Israel. What? And 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 so I've been able to. Where are they getting these terms? And just chapter one, uh, where he talks about Jew, Gentile, and the Church of God, and he he wonderfully goes through the church and says how there's no distinction between the Jew and the Gentile in the church and in Christ. He has this nice command of that. I'm like, good. And then he says, but this is not what we see in the Old Testament, where the Jews are prompted to obedience because of earthly blessing. And that's what you get from obedience. You get earthly blessing. And that's why we shouldn't be Judaizing the church and building giant you know giant buildings. Because or the, when he starts talking about the kingdom of God in Mark and the kingdom of God in Matthew, that's for the church. And then he goes through and talks about the kingdom of God and is applied to Israel. And he's in he's and he's in Luke. And he's going back and forth and back and forth between a complete misunderstanding of what the kingdom of God is. And he uses it interchangeably. He takes these same parallel passages and applies one this one one this way and one the other way. And, and I'm, I'm trying to make heads or tails of this chapter one. And this is the start. This is the starting point for his entire theological system. And I have enjoyed going through it, not to take it apart, because again, most people don't, don't defend the classic dispensationalism. So you're not going to win arguments. You're not going to go through this as, okay, now I'm armed, and now I can go fight. It says, no, 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 no. It allows you to see this is human tradition here and when you import that into a book like 1st Thessalonians you're starting to see tradition and scripture tradition and scripture and if you can at least identify the lens i mean we all have lenses and we all have uh, some biases that we will we will bring okay at least identify them but the lens that we should be using is Christ so as i've gone through this if you have not read it and, and you think you understand classic dispensationalism but you've never read Schofield, give it a try. I would say, chapter One, if you can make heads or tails of it, show that he's being very consistent, come show me how, because he's not I can't see how he's being consistent now. that's a really good starting point. And then from there, now that we've established that the the church is is one one body and Israel is another body, now we can go and explain the rest of Scripture went, hey you lost me at you know about halfway through chapter one, dude. So I, that that's what I've been enjoying as I've been going through that. As a as a just because so many other books that I've read have have referenced it. One of my family members has said you you really need to read this book. So it'll help you understand the Bible. I'm like okay, I
2: read it. Now
1: what? Back to the sources.
2: You said you can pick it up for free.
1: Yeah, you you can find it online okay. um, uh, for uh, for free PDF. Yeah yeah, I, I actually have a. I think I got a 99 cent copy that's actually downloaded onto my, my Kindle right now. But okay. there you go. Anyway, that's, that. that's what I've been reading. Hopefully nobody um, uh, throws me out of uh, our church. Andrew, uh-huh. I don't think you have to worry about that.
0: <laughs> I am also very curious how he, he can go from one point to the other and wait, wait a second. You lost me anyway. So I have r- recently begun reading animal farm by uh, George, George Orwell. Orwell. Sorry. I, I did, I was not exposed to George Orwell's work and when most people are in the United States and, and that by that, I mean, public education system, whether it be, you know, high school or, uh, it's, it's really below a collegiate level, but, but apparently it didn't show up in the curriculum that I, I, I had whenever I was going through school in Tennessee, my wife had, she's all, she's already read it, but apparently it was for an AP course, uh, for, (laughs) for high school. Um, anyway. I've been very appreciative of l- drawing upon something that's so well known culturally with Animal Farm, but at the same time coming to know a little bit more about the, the author George Orwell and his apparently associations with a Trotskyist organization in Spain in the 1930s. And that was something I did not know. And, and after, after learning that, I, I began to see it in his writing already. So it's, it's an interesting read it's a timeless read it's very easy for me to import myself into seeing oh, oh this is happening now as well because authoritarianism whether it be cloaked under the name socialist or or crony capitalism or author- authoritarian communism it it's it's all the same whenever it rears its head Talk it's collectivism it's, it's very collective and it's very hypocritical the revolution is not a reformation because it doesn't solve anything. It's just the ouroboros eating its tail over and over again. Yeah, it doesn't solve anything
2: metaphysical. It, it only solves certain physical things for certain more equal than other pigs.
0: Yeah. Manifestations <laughs> of greed look different in yeah. different systems.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've, al- we've already had the Great Reset. It was called the Flood, and God said man's heart was the same before and after. We've already been there and
2: done that. Well, uh, my plug for media or my recommendation for media this week is My Man Jeeves by P.G. Woodhouse. I recently went through, and I know I've talked about Woodhouse before, but we were talking about satire and this man does it well and he does it thoroughly over hundreds of pages and all of his work. Um, But My Man Jeeves is an entry point to the Bertie Wooster novels about him, a young aristocrat in England. Who's worth millions and gets himself into all kinds of trouble, playing jokes on earls and lords and their their sons, their daughters, and he has a particular aversion to one of his aunts and a great love for his other. But his true companion through life is Jeeves, his butler, um, who always ends up having some sort of solution to every problem that Bertie gets himself into. I mean, he's he's kind of lifted up as the savior in all cases and all these books. And it is wonderful to listen to. And for right now, from what I can tell the entire Jeeves collection on audible is still free. If anybody has audible. So just go out there and download it. If you cause you can download it and you can just throw it away. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about it, but it's included with a prime membership or a uh, audible membership. So my man Jeeves is the first one and go look up the, the chronology of the entire series and you can just whip through them one by one and you won't be
0: disappointed or at least i hope you won't <laughs> and that wraps it up for today we are always very thankful for our listeners tuning in every week and for supporting us by rating reviewing and sharing the show and we hope you can join us again for another week of uncovering and rebuking witchcraft in the modern world